just, just the first few verses, and um, not the whole thing, because we're going to deal with uh, uh, 15 verses tonight. But look what it says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Amen? Why? Because moths and vermin, I love that. I think this is NIV, vermin. Vermin. Were moths and rust corrupt, it says in one version. I don't know where they got vermin, but it's there. And where thieves break in, and they steal. All right? But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, what does he say in verse 21? Let's read it together. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus, the great psychologist, knows that about us. Father, thank you for your word tonight. We've come to learn your word. We've come to grow in your word. And we pray that tonight, Lord, you will speak this to us, feed us, and help us, Lord, to grow in grace, to become mighty in our inner man. And thank you, Lord, for helping us to be strong in spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, watch out for vermin. I haven't used the word vermin in a long time. Amen. All right. Now, Jesus is being very practical here. And we're going to see that he's got the same thought going through, starting at verse 19, all the way through the verse 34. They're all connected. So he's not teaching here, starting off. He's not teaching against wise saving by saying, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. He is not saying, don't save. Amen? That is not what he's saying. Or, or he's not teaching against having a retirement account, if you, if you can have one of those. He's not teaching us to be irresponsible or apathetic about financial things. Matter of fact, with money, you better watch your money very carefully. Watch your bank account. Watch where you spend it. Watch what you spend it on. Don't get into stupid debt. There's a little bit of debt and there's stupid debt. You get into stupid debt when you walk into a mall with three credit cards. And you hear the voice of the Lord calling from all those stores. But he, so he's not teaching to not save or, or, or to be responsible. That's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. Don't put all of your security eggs in the basket of earthly possessions. Don't let your ultimate security be in stuff, money, things, possessions. Why? Because earthly assets like homes, cars, so on, they rust out, they break down, they're destroyed, thieves steal them. How many of you have ever had something stolen from you? Isn't that a terrible feeling? Don't you feel so violated? Somebody just comes and takes something that's yours, and depending on how, valu how valuable it was, they take it from you, and there's nothing you can do. You can't go get it back. It's just gone. They took it. And it's just a terrible feeling. But Jesus wants us to know that earthly possessions are never invincible. They're never totally secure. They're not. You got things in the stock market, it could crash tonight. Uh, you got a savings account, 
something can happen and you've got to spend it and the whole savings account is gone. Money makes itself wings and flies away. And how many of you feel that way every month? (laughs) You look at the end of the month and what you've got, what happened? It flew away. It flew away. And Jesus also said that earthly riches are not the way to life. You, You don't obtain life by things. We know this. There's testimonies to this reality all around us every day. We always read of some movie star, some celebrity, some really wealthy person who just checked out of life. And we say to ourselves immediately, we go, well, how could they do that with all that money? Easy. Because money doesn't give you life or meaning or purpose or fulfillment. If you've got a bunch of it, it gives you a bunch of headaches. Because you're always having to track it, watch over it, and be sure nobody's stealing it. Jesus said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. True? Let's just read the last part of that together, right up there. For one's life does not, I'm hearing five of you, come on everybody, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What you have is not going to give you life. Possessions don't impart life or meaning or purpose or deep and lasting peace. No, riches don't bring that. Now, is life easier if you can pay your bills? You better believe it. Okay? If you gave me a choice, do you want money or not? I'll take the money. I don't want to not be able to pay my, or be constantly stressing, all right? But the thing is, it's not any deep answer to the real need of your soul. Ecclesiastes 5.10, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. You're not going to be satisfied or fulfilled with money. 1 Timothy 6.17, boy, do we need to hear this one. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Why? But on God. God can be counted on, riches can't. Because God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So we set our hope in God, whose promises cannot fail us. Amen? Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money. Not money, the love of it. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. It's fine to have money, but don't love it to the place of idolatry. There it is. Jesus tells us where to place our ultimate security. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. A thief can't get into heaven and take your treasure. They cannot get into heaven and take your treasure. There are earthly treasures, and there are heavenly treasures. What are heavenly treasures? Let me give you a few. Christians are promised treasures in heaven uh, when they endure persecution. You're, You're promised a treasure in heaven, a reward in heaven, for being persecuted for the name of Christ. 
there is a reward. Amen? So anytime you're being persecuted, say, hot dog, more treasure in heaven. Jesus said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Amen? So uh, we're promised to be rewarded by God when we pray in secret. Your Heavenly Father who sees in secret will openly reward you. Not just here, but hereafter. Amen? So think about that. When you pray, really pray, get a hold of God kind of prayer, grab hold of the horns of the altar kind of prayer, and you intercede, there's treasure in heaven. We're promised rewards in heaven when we serve the Lord and his people. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was in prison, you visited me. I was sick, and you came to see me. When, Lord, did we come to see you, feed you, give you a drink? Inasmuch as you did it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you did it for me. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Amen? There's a reward. That's a few examples, but guess what? There's a bunch of crowns, too. Let me tell you about some of the crowns that we're going to be rewarded with. The crown of life. You know what you get a crown of life for? Enduring temptation. James 1.12. Read it. For enduring temptation, there is a crown of life. Uh, for those that love his appearing, it's called the crown of righteousness. If you're excited for the Lord's appearance, if you're thrilled to see him, it means you've been living right, walking right, and your faith has been intact. And he says, there's a crown of righteousness rewarded to you. There's the incorruptible crown, and that's for those who run their race well. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. You run your race well, you walk with Christ, you crucify your flesh, you live for him, you glorify him, you obey him. There is an incorruptible crown that will be given to you. Crown of glory. Hallelujah, that's the pastor's crown. Amen? 1 Peter 5, 4. Makes all the sheep bites worth it. Some of y'all just, that went right over your head. You know what I mean by sheep bites? Pray about it, God will show you. Then there's the crown of rejoicing. Guess what you get that for? Soul winning. Soul winning. The crown of rejoicing. That's five crowns right there. So there's heavenly treasure. Heavenly treasure waiting for you and me. Can you imagine that? Don't you know it's going to put to shame any earthly treasures at all? Amen? Amen? Then the Lord tells us something so very true about human nature. He says, let me tell you about you. He says, here's the fact. Where your treasure is, that's where I'm going to find your heart. And I'm going to add to it. Where your heart is, that's where your feet are going to go. That's where you're going to travel. That's what you're going to pursue. That's going to set the trajectory that your life goes in. Your treasure. He says, what you treasure reveals where your heart is. What your heart has crowned most important, most valuable, Uh, most precious. And where your heart is, that's where your life, that's the direction your life is going to go. That's what you're going to pursue. That's what you're going to go after. 
that's going to be your treasure hunt. You're going you're gonna to treasure hunt where, wherever your heart is. What your heart has decided is worth more than anything else. And all of us have a treasure. All of us. I don't care who you are, what you, where you are in life. Right now, listening to me, I guarantee you, you, your heart has crowned something. It's top treasure as we sit here. It has. This is why God says, be sure you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if you don't put him first, something else will take its place. So here's the question. Does God have your heart? Does he have my heart? Is he your top treasure? Do you value him above all else? Is anything in competition for his first placeness? Has, is anything competing to overthrow God being first place in your heart or mind? That's why it says, watch over your heart with all diligence and carefulness, because out of it flow all the issues of life. So you've got to watch over that heart, because your heart, I had a pet raccoon once. I, this is really novel, but I named him Rascal. Okay? I had a pet raccoon. And here's the thing about raccoons. If it's shining, they want it. If it's shiny, they want it. Now, you're not going to, you're going to think I was mean here. Stay with me so that I can explain myself. But I learned that anything that was shining, Rascal would go and, and get it and, and rub it in his little paws and, and hide it somewhere in the water. So I thought, what would he do with a sugar cube? Some of y'all, you're still not with me. Do you get it that if you get a sugar cube and rub it in the water, it's gone? Like many of the things that we consider treasure in this life, rub it a while, it's gone. So, but I would always give him a sugar cube after that with no water, and he would eat it and be a happy little raccoon. But, but here's the thing. He gravitated to treasure all the time. A raccoon is a treasure creature. They want what is shiny, glittery, glistening, appealing to the eye. That's the raccoon. That raccoon is like your heart and mine. It's going to find a treasure. It's going to crown something more important than anything else. And Jesus knew this. So you've got to watch over your heart that it doesn't go chasing after things that are glittering and glistening and gleaming and appealing to the eye. No, we've got to keep him number one in our heart. Amen? Amen? So does God have your heart tonight? Does he have my heart tonight? Is he your top treasure? Would you give up anything for him? Would you do anything for him? Do you love him above all else? That's what Jesus leaves us thinking about here. Then next he talks about your eye. But it's the same train of thought. The lamp of the, verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body is going to be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now listen to these words. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What is he talking about? Well, after talking about the folly 
of crowning riches more important than anything else, chasing after riches. He, he deals with the eye or what you focus on. What is your focus? And it goes right along with what he has just said. Because the eye, physically speaking, is the one and only way that we can perceive light. You shut your eyes, close them up, where nothing can get in, you don't perceive light any other way. The only way you and I perceive light is the eye. But Jesus says there's also things that bring spiritual light or spiritual darkness. So spiritually speaking, whatever your eye, uh, whatever your eye is focused on, whatever your focus is in life, whatever your treasure is in life, is either going to plunge you into darkness or flood your body with light. Amen? For instance, if my life is driven by greed and lust, you know, I get up every day and all I'm thinking about immediately is money. Since he's been talking about money, let's just talk about that. I get up in the morning and my first thought is chasing money. That's the first thing I'm thinking about. Lust for money, greed. I'm all about getting that money. Then that's what my focus is. That's what my eye is going to be on. I'm going to be focused on material stuff. And scripture warns about that. What your focus is. Man, your focus is one of the most important things in life. I believe that every day when we wake up in the morning, all of us have a primary focus. Are you focused on God, focused on the kingdom, focused on Jesus, focused on his will, focused on his word, or are you focused on the things of this world? If you are, if you therefore be dead in Christ, buried with Christ, then seek those things that are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God and don't have your eyes on the carnal things of this world. But if I wake up and my eye the eye of my heart, the eye of my focus in life is on worldly things. Jesus said it has a way of filling your whole body with darkness. But if your eye is on the things of God, your body is filled with spiritual light. This is real. Listen to the the warning here. People who long to be rich. Okay, they wake up in the morning and what are they thinking about? Riches. They long to be rich. Now, what does Jesus say? Or the Bible say, here's Paul talking to Timothy. People who long to be rich, what happens to them? They fall into temptation. And they are trapped. Everybody say trapped. By many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Now, this is a verse about focus. Where is your eye? What is your eye focused on? If your eye is single, it's focused on one thing, that is Jesus and his kingdom, then your body is going to be filled with light. Amen. But if if, if your eye is divided and you're focused on things of this world and carnal pursuits, Jesus said it has a way of filling your whole body with darkness because the eye is the window to the soul. So here's what he's saying. What's your focus? What is your primary focus? Spiritual darkness, temptation, 
and destruction can result from a wrong focus. All right? But if your treasure is God and you're pursuing the things of God, you have a single undivided eye that will fill your whole body with spiritual light. Have you ever noticed you can be sitting there watching TV and something comes on? And you watch it for a little bit. And then you feel this little check. I need to turn that off. And you turn it off. But already you feel a certain darkness. Right? Am I dealing with barometric pressure here tonight? <laughs> All right. Have you ever noticed that? You get up and, and there's just a darkness. Because for that amount of time, what was not of God came in. And I'm not talking about a demon getting in here or anything like that. I'm just saying, Jesus said, if your focus is not on the right things, it has a way, literally, of darkening your soul. Okay? So when I get up in the morning, if my eye is turned towards God's word, and the eye of my faith is turned to Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, that's my focus, that's my gaze, that's where my eye of faith is, throughout the day, then my whole body is filled with spiritual light. I can see where I'm going. But if my body is full of darkness, I'm tripping, I'm stumbling, I don't see where I'm going. I'm the blind leading the blind, and both fall into a ditch. Amen. Listen to the Living Bible. If your eye is pure, there will be sunshine in your soul. Isn't that good? But if your eye is clouded, with evil thoughts and desires, you are in deep spiritual darkness. And oh, how deep that darkness can be. Let me put it this way. It's worse for us if our soul is filled with darkness than if we're in a dark cave and can't find our way out. Because when your soul is full of darkness, you can't see where you're going. Every little pitfall Satan has laid for you you fall into it. You trip into it. Because your body is, you're full of darkness. Your soul is dark. So in the morning, set the direction of your day by turning your eye on light. And what is light? The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Amen? So let's say that together. The entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to somebody simple like me. Amen. His word is light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. Amen. So when you get up in the morning, get into the sunlight, S-O-N. Amen. So what's your treasure today? What has captured your heart and mind? What is your primary pursuit in life? What is your focus? What is it? What has your heart? What has captured your heart and mine? Jesus wraps up his teaching on riches with an inescapable fact of life. Here it is. You cannot serve two masters. You can't. God wired us to serve one master. You can't serve God and money. For you will hate one and love the other, or you will, or the other way around. You will hate one and love the other, love one and hate the other. 
You're not going to be able to give your full attention to both. God wired us to serve one God. One master, one Lord. Amen? Not two. Let me tell you something I saw long ago, just watching people and watching myself. Whatever you place above God, you will one day lose or grow to hate. I'm going to say that one more time. Whatever you allow to take first place in your heart, whatever you place above God, the day is going to come. If you're his child, you're going to lose it or grow to hate it. Then next, Jesus launches into a lengthy exhortation on the folly of worry. No need to go into this because I, I know none of us worry. But let me just deal with it because it's here, right? He talks about the folly of worry. Jesus said so much about worry. It's better than a pill or a drink or a smoke or a snort. And and what he says about worry, it's in total keeping with everything we've already looked at tonight. Because worry follows putting your focus on the wrong thing, right? When you're focused on the wrong thing, you're going to worry, promise you. So uh, worry is the sole result of the wrong focus. It's one of those dark things that cloud the soul when you get your eyes off of God. When you get your eyes off of God, you start worrying. When you get your eyes on God, you quit worrying. Now I want you to listen very carefully to me because now I'm Dr. Jeff. I'm going to give you a prescription from Dr. Jesus. I want you to listen to what he says about worry because worry is a killer. It's a thief. It'll rob you of your sleep. It'll spike your blood pressure. It'll depress you. It'll ruin your day. It'll take the smile off your face, the gleam out of your eye, the skip out of your step. If you're worried, if you are in the bondage of worry, life is a chore and a drudgery. It is not a joy. So Jesus deals with it extensively. So let's look at this now. First, he tells us what not to worry about. And what we do tend to worry about most. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Everybody say that together. Do not worry. Turn to your neighbor and say it. Do not worry. Do not worry. About what? Your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what's your, your body, what you're going to put on or what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to drink, eat or wear. The basic staples of life. Don't worry about it. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? In other words, don't let worry about these basic staples ruin your life. Because life is more than that. Most worries have to do with us. We worry about us or ours. We worry about our life. Finances, sickness, material provision, jobs, kids, marriage issues, and so on. If we're not focused on God and give them to God, then we default to worry. Now, 
Jesus says, don't worry about your life. It's not a suggestion. He didn't say pray about it. He didn't say think about it. He commanded us, don't do it. Don't worry. Then he points to nature. I love this about Jesus. You know, I can just picture him and the disciples walking down a road. He's teaching as they go along. They're out in the country. It's a dirt road. On either side of them, trees and fields and meadows and flowers and birds. And as they're walking along, Jesus points to a bird. And he says, look at the birds of the air. A flock of them are flying by. He says, look at the birds of the air. They all look up. He says, have you ever stopped to think they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, meaning they don't have a savings account. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. They don't sow seed and they don't reap a harvest. They have no, in other words, they have no certain source of provision, but above. Okay. A farmer has his field. The birds have nothing but God. Okay. He says, yet your heavenly father is sure that when they go hunting around for seed in the morning, they find it. You know, we have birds and I love watching them every morning. They're out there pecking into the ground. I don't know what they're getting. They're getting something in the ground because that's where they go to find their food. Peck, 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 peck. And and they get fed that way. Who put that there? God. And they find their food. Amen? Then here comes a hawk. Bang! And one of them's gone. He found his food. (laughs) I don't like seeing it either. But Jesus says, are you not of much more value than they are? If he he feeds a sparrow, a sparrow, is he not going to feed you? And the disciples, oh, oh, that sounds right. (laughs) Then he talks about the uselessness of worry. He says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No. You may lose a few hours off your life if you worry all the time. But you can't add an hour to your life worrying about it all the time. Worry is like the hamster's wheel. He's running and running and getting nowhere. Or being in a rocking chair back and forth, but you're not getting anywhere. Worry solves nothing, produces nothing, does nothing. It's a waste of time and energy. He asks a question, points to nature again. So so if worry does nothing for you, if it never solves a thing, why do you worry about what you're going to wear? Consider the lilies of the field. Here he goes to nature again. Now, guys, you look at the birds. Now, look out there at those flowers. Okay? Blue bonnets. Look at those blue bonnets. And he says, look at them. He said, how they grow. They don't work. They don't spin clothing. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like even one of these. Even Solomon with his Billions of dollars never looked as beautiful and natural as one of these. And if God so cares about the flowers of the field here today, gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you? 
That's what he's saying. Everybody say, yes, he will. So Jesus says again, therefore, if all this be true, don't worry. Talking to yourself, asking, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now catch that. The Gentiles, meaning those that don't know the Lord, uh, they live, they eat, and they breathe, chasing after material stuff. Just look at um, Christmas sales at Target. These days, you've got to wear armor to walk in there. Because you're going to be stepped on, pushed out of the way, abused, because everybody is rushing in there to get what? Stuff. That'll wear out, rust out, break down, never give them life, never give them peace. Jesus said, that's what the Gentiles, that's what the lost are all about. Obtaining more stuff. But Jesus said, I want you on a higher level. If you're going to get to the higher level, hear me now, church, as we come to the close. If you're going to be on the higher level, you've got to get rid of worry. Because worry will pull you down where all you're focused on is the things you're worried about instead of being able to focus on him. That's why Jesus said, your heavenly father knows you need all these things. So here's what you do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All right? So, so the only way you're going to do that is to get rid of worry. So you get up every day and you say, Lord, here's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about my kids, worried about the money, worried about this, worried about that. I give you my fear, my cares. I roll my burdens onto you. And he replaces it with peace. And that peace allows me to pursue with full focus the kingdom of God. Okay? That's the higher level. Don't be like the lost. Don't live like the lost. Don't think like the lost. Live to seek him, know him, follow him, and serve him. We're called to a higher level of life. Amen? Jesus concludes with one more thing, and I'm going to close. We're not to worry about tomorrow. We're not to worry about tomorrow. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. Mark Twain, who I don't generally like to quote because he never was a believer, but he, he said one true thing. He said, I've known many troubles in my lifetime. Most of them never happened. Right? So we could switch it. I've worried about many things in my life, but most of them never happen. Worry about tomorrow is assuming that God is not in charge of your life. If you're worried about tomorrow, here's what you're basically saying. I don't believe he's in charge of tomorrow. Well, do you believe he's in charge right now? Yeah, but I don't know about tomorrow. So wait a minute. 24 hours makes the difference between God being in charge and not. Is he in charge or isn't he? Let me tell you something about God. He's already in your tomorrow. He's in your tomorrow waiting for you to arrive. He's already there. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. He's already in my tomorrow. 
and he's waiting for me to get there. So, so when, when I get there, he's already been there preparing the way, providing, setting things up, divine encounters, open doors. He's already made the way. He's gone ahead of me as my shepherd to be sure there's no snakes in my path, no wolves, no coyotes, no foxes. No, he's prepared the way for me. A bad day today is no predictor of a repeat tomorrow because God can do anything in 24 hours. Amen? Today has enough challenges of its own. Amen? I'm done. Next time, I can't wait. I'm going to love next time because next time we're going to look at the lost world's favorite Bible verse. The lost world's favorite Bible verse. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, man. And they have no idea what the context is or what Jesus means. They just like it because it sets them free to do what they want to do. I, people say that to me when they're lost. I say, really? You know the words of Jesus? Really? Hallelujah. It's good to know that you know your Bible. Well, I don't know the Bible. I don't follow Jesus. But didn't he say, judge not? Yeah, but you don't have a clue what he meant. We're going to learn next week what he meant. All right, let's stand together, can we? Let's say it together, don't worry about it. Now, if you really believe that, let's say it again. Don't worry about it. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to say it like you're preaching tonight. One, two, three. Is that real? Because we know somebody who takes all of our cares. Amen. Can we lift our hands to the Lord tonight? And say, Lord Jesus, we just thank you. You've got all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our fears. You're in all of our tomorrows. And Lord, we give you our cares. We roll our burden onto you. And Lord, thank you that you took them and I'm free to pursue the kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name.